1: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of The Basement Binge. An episode that has taken me a long time to get down to making because I've never been impacted by a movie so existentially as much as i was by this you saw the title we're talking about the newly released spider-man across the spider-verse it's making waves all over the place people are talking about it i'm going to be talking about it we are going to have spoilers but before that we're going to get into the spoiler free section which is completely spoiler free like i just said (laughs) that's redundant two cents again this is my spoiler free thoughts about the film and what i have to say is that i love spider-man into the spider-verse and Across the Spider-Verse continues the legacy and love that that film brought about perfectly with, with incredible, awe-inspiring animation where people are allowed to do creative things, a really, really impressive score and soundtrack where, again, people are doing creative things and that she, those creative things are used for more than just being creative and being eye candy, but telling a story that's full of emotion and, and, and full of a story and has so much in it that you just love these characters the story that's told is really impactful it has great action moments it has great villains it has great characters it has the emotional progression of miles morales nothing is reset for him he doesn't he's not learning the same lessons he's learning lessons on top of the lessons as spider-man and as a person and it's remarkable the characters both the returning and new characters introduced are phenomenal the voice actors who are bringing those characters to their lives those are incredible it, it is truly a remarkable film that is it's like nothing you've ever seen before. I'm, I'm already itching to try and go see it again. It is remarkable. So that is my spoiler-free thoughts. We're going to get into the rest of the episode with spoilers. Before I do that, I have to tell you, if you enjoy Indiana Jones and you're anticipating the release of D- The Dial of Destiny, check out Matt Goes to the Movies podcast below, where I'm joining Matt and Rob from Matt Goes to Movies, and we're reviewing all the Indiana Jones movies leading up to the release. It's going to be a lot of fun. So check that out linked below. On to the next segment. Pick your poison. This is the rating scale here at the Basin Binge. All about the binge-ability. How would I choose to interact with this film after seeing it the first time? Like I mentioned in Two Cents, it's a film that's still in theaters. It was released just barely over two weeks ago. I'm, I'm still trying... Just barely over a week ago, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, just barely over a week ago. I'm, I'm trying already to find a way to get back to the theater and see it again. It hasn't even been released on home yet. It is a movie that I'm definitely going to buy and watch with subtitles and watch it's 0.75 speed because there are so many details that I know I missed that I just can't wait to see again. But besides the fun details or bench points, as we call them here, it's just like a, a powerful, powerful story that, that again, I resonate with and I connect to and emotionally has really last and made a mark on me that lasts. And it's difficult for me to review this because I'm still sorting through the emotions that this film caused for me in, in a good way it's definitely a movie I'm going to watch again. It is a buy, the top of the list. I'm going to buy this movie and own it and watch it many times over. So the next segment: live up. Did this movie live up to my expectations? How do you even begin to answer that question with Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse? I, I loved Into the Spider-Verse so much, and sequels aren't always great, and and sometimes studios interfere, and what makes the original so great, they don't allow to happen but but uh, Lord and Miller are phenomenal producers and know how to gather a team that allows them to create what they're envisioning and they have done that again I, I try to tamper my expectations going in to, to not be disappointed. And I, I should have just let the expectations fly because this exceeded anything I could have anticipated from an animation standpoint, from a voice acting standpoint, from a character standpoint, from a music standpoint, from a story standpoint, and emotion and thematic value and just cinematic quality. It exceeded every expectation that I had. I mean, the interaction between Miles and Miguel and the character of Miguel and, and the story that they are telling with him, where he is trying to control the multiverse and and the way that that interferes with Miles's free will and his choices that he's making. It's, it is so impactful and really powerful to see Miles once again struggle with his identity of Spider-Man and how to be the best Spider-Man. Does he tell his parents? Does he not? Does he, is he into the spider society or is he not? And, and why can't he be? And how does he relate to his friends, Gwen? And, and like, Also just being a teenager and dealing with like accepting yourself and and like trying to understand how and in what ways you want to reach your potential while while you shouldn't be, but while you are comparing yourself to others. And it's just really, really emotionally impactful. And that's told through like a visually and audibly, sonically impressive film. It is cinema quality all the way through forward this next segment as part of animation hall of fave which has as rob said in the episode we just did for anna and jones was supposed to be a month-long celebration of animation is turning into a whole year celebration of animation we'll see how it goes but lame fave or fame up,
2: Larry? Hello, everybody. You're right.
1: down. Down.
2: Thank you. Okay.
1: this is where i talk about the animation Hall of Fame and, and where this film deserves that? Is it lame or it deserves no credit? Is it just a fave where not everyone loves it, but I do? Or is it top of the list fame? And we already know. Obviously, this is a famous movie. It deserves to be in the Hall of Fame for what the Spider-Verse initially did for animation, the way it changed it. Look, look at the Mitchell's versus the Machines. Look at, which I know that was Phil, um, Lord and Miller's follow-up. But then you have Spider-Man, the last, or not Spider-Man. You have Puss and Boots, The Last Wish. We have the new TMNT movie coming out, which... The animation looks remarkable. They they have changed animation, Spider-Verse has. And, and if you want to continue that change, this is what you do. You take your characters to different universes and you let incredibly talented people. I believe there are over a 1,000 people working on this film, which is the largest animated film of all time. You let them create really powerful things, which I'm going to talk about in one particular way that I thought was amazing. You find talented people, you let those talented creative people do their thing, and then you showcase this in the best way and you you bring that collaboration together there's so many things that I've been reading that I'm not including in this interview for my own sake which I'll get to in the last segment but but this truly was a team of people that made something remarkable and for this purpose of animation and what this has done for animation and what it continues what what Spider-Verse like the 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 canon to use the words of that what Spider-Verse is doing and has been doing animation the way that it's done and produced and managed and and delivered is changing. And that is a good thing because animation is a powerful form of filmmaking. That's what Animation Hall of Fame is all about. This is this is the top of the Hall of Fame. Uh, it has replaced Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, naturally so, and it is, it is remarkably at the top. Moving on to the next segment, binge points. These are Easter eggs, details, those types of things. And the, the first detail, which you can see in the trailer if you want, when Miles is told that he's getting a B in Spanish, his mom snaps at him, and there's a Puerto Rican flag Um, kind of as the onomatopoeia, if you will. Um, you know, like, like snap expression, action lines, if you want to call them that. I don't, I'm not sure what they're called, but it's the Puerto Rican flag. And I thought that was pretty fun. As far as bench points, I was doing research and research and research. And that's part of the reason that this episode was so delayed. And I'm including hardly any of it, uh, which I will talk about and fall in. But, but there are a few things that I wanted to mention across the spider verse has 240 characters into the spider verse had 40 by comparison 200 more it takes place across six universes all with their unique visual style uh it has a thousand people working on it which is is remarkable i wish i could credit every single one of those thousand creators because they truly had to work together um to bring about things it's not just one person working on one scene you got lighting you got compositing you got rigging you got character design you got um visual effects you have animation, you, you, know, you, have, you have voice acting, obviously, you have the score going on, you have so much, you have editing, like, you have so much happening from the animation side that I don't even understand that, it, that is remarkable, but one creator in particular that I want to mention, just because I think this is a sweet story, uh, was done for the Lego scene, that when the spot goes into the Lego world, that entire scene, and later when Lego Spider-Man reports on what's happening, it was done by a 14-year-old. Uh, you can go to his page, lego me underscore the OG on YouTube. He makes Lego remakes in Blender, so it's, it's visual effects. Uh, he, he remade the trailers for the Spider-Verse films when they were being released over the past year or so. And Phil Lord and Christopher Miller brought him in because of the work he did on these trailers and wanted him to create a piece for their film, which he did. They are, they're just exceptional producers, and that's really cool that they recognized talent and brought it in. And if you want to see more of who worked on what and in what ways go to Michael Lasker's Twitter and just scroll through the things he's been talking about this film a lot. It's remarkable. Um, but I just, I just want to read two of his tweets. One of them in one of the screenshots he said, our FX team worked tirelessly on this film. Smoke, fire, explosions, incline spots, dark matter, chaos, and that's not even half of it. The amount of effects and, and elements that had to be worked on by individual teams and, and creators is remarkable. In uh, one he talked about here, the vulture, the character was complex, fully rigged character. Our inking, t- our inking team created multiple layers of lines, many hand drawn and interpolated, married with parchment paper, flipbook effects, paper edges, and incredible look dev. Uh, he continues, there's more uh MG or there's more magic effects created by Da Vinci text that swirled in the air as he created weapons. We built backpacks full of drones and bombs as well as frame throwers and masks that animations could bring to life. Then there's his jet thrusters with vulture-styled smoke effects. Like clearly a team of people from designing it to creating it and delivering it in the final film had to work together. And I think it's remarkable. I wish I could put more in here because this film from a creative standpoint has so many bench points and from the film has so many Easter eggs, but I'm not going to mention them all. I'll get to that and fall in and I apologize that that is, that is a key part of the basement, binge, something that I love. I love looking for details and they're just not going to be in this episode and I have to accept that. So moving on to the next segment, Least and Likes. This is where we talk about my least favorite scene and my favorite scene. I don't have a least favorite scene. There's no other way to say it. Literally nothing about this film I dislike. So, my like favorite scene. There are so many moments. The animation in Owen's, uh, sorry, not Owen's, the animation in Gwen's universe. Uh, the scene where she walks under the building and the camera rotates with her when she's visiting Miles. I mean, it's just brilliant animation. The different fight scenes, including the one with Vulture, which looks amazing. Um, The fight scene on the train between Miles and Miguel. Miles diving through the spinning gears when he's running from all the Spider-Men. Like, like it's incredible. Um, There are so many moments of animation. Like with The Spot or Spider-Punk, we could just talk about him as a character or Gwen's world. But my favorite moment is probably the entire sequence of Miles running from Miguel and the rest of the Spider-Society. The music, the other characters and him realizing their motivations and them evaluating their motivations and interacting with Miles their confusion, him fighting for himself and who he believes he can be, that leading up to this intense ending that just keeps building on top of building on top of building on top of building and the score, the way it stacks characters themes to like crescendo in this really remarkable thing with so much emotion. I, I, I was floored seeing it. I noticed that he, his, his eye or what, I don't know if it was his eyes, was scanned and earth 42 showed up on the go home machine. Uh, And so I was waiting for the realization that we wasn't in his own universe, but it just kept going more kept being delivered miles as the prowler Earth 42 with Uncle Aaron. I mean like I was expecting miles to be different in this universe because there's no Spider-Man here, but Uncle Aaron being there. There's just so much happening Um, his friends working together to come and get him it truly, the ending of the film is remarkable, but it starts with the moment when Miles chooses to runs from Miguel. I'm going to talk about it extensively in Fallen, but I think it's remarkable. For my wife's credit, I have to mention, at the end of the movie, the first thing she said was, I like the mom. And I think that that says a lot, uh, partly because my wife lived a long time in Puerto Rico and has a love for Puerto Rican people. Uh, she's also a very motherly person, and I'll leave it at that. The mother is remarkable. But let's get to the last segment probably going to be the hardest segment to record and that is fall in this is where i talk about the moral of the story as my dad always called it the messages the takeaways the themes the way that the film impacts our life and i'm already getting emotional because this film has really impacted me in a way i'm still working through uh it's kind of put me in an existential tailspin it's part of the reason that so much of what i love doing in these episodes isn't a part of it it's hard um so let me tell you why <laughs> and, and what, the spider, what Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse has to do with that. Um, let me put it this way. What do you do when you feel a need or compulsion to do something contrary to the system that says what you can and can't do? Miles is already anxious about himself and his identity and what he is doing as Spider-Man and who he is and, and comparing himself to others and, and trying to evaluate if he's good enough, if he's doing it the right way. And it's only taken, and then, then stack the complexity of lying to his parents and trying to, that relationship, that's taken any, any further when his values are conflicted. He loves Spider-Man, and he, he wants to interact with more spider people. And he, this idea of the spider society is so big to him, hey, it's his obsession. Uh, because he wants to connect with these individuals who understand him and understand what it's like to deal with these problems that he has that are it's struggling to be Spider-Man. And then he goes and meets people who, who aren't struggling to be Spider-Man. I mean, as a huge example, he meets Pavitra, who's been Spider-Man for like, what, three years was it? And he's, he's excelling. He's doing great. And so he's having a hard time. And then that society that he's already having complexity with and it is making his value in himself difficult and, and understanding himself and, and feeling good enough tells him how and in what ways he needs to be be Spider-Man, what what it's supposed to mean to be Spider-Man and that it's completely contrary to what he feels like he should do and wants to do as Spider-Man. I mean, in a very, very cool way, this entire Spider-Verse, these two films, the animation style in itself is a depiction of this very thing sticking out against the system that tells you in what ways and how you need to fit into the right mold. That is so... Uh, We don't get a conclusion. And I think that that's why this film has been so hard for me is because that is such a a real thing that I've been experiencing. Uh, This is uncomfortable for me to admit, but I'm struggling with myself Uh, in in the most privileged way possible. I'm struggling to know how to act on my dreams and needs in the pathway of a career and a job. What do I do when I feel a desire to do something different than what I feel the opportunities are creating or, or the opportunities available for me to act on? I, I've lost a dream job right before this. I've been working as a teacher for the last year in, in a position that I've worked really hard to even to get into. Uh, and I was a student teacher. I was being evaluated for a full-time position. I, I didn't get that. And I put all the eggs all of them even my wife i took all her eggs and put them in that basket so to speak with analogy and it, it's completely shattered and i don't know what to do um, because i feel like i'm being forced to make decisions that i don't want to it's really really hard especially because i look around and i'm, I'm not living up to what it means to be me the way that I feel other people are living up to the way it means to be themselves. And then you have this like imposing thing on top of you that like, you know, just in and of itself learning to accept how you're doing, how you are, who you are. That's tough. And now you got this intense thing, which for Miles, it's significantly worse than me. But now I've got this intense thing of what jobs to pursue and in what career capacity. And it's, it's a lot. And it's been really hard to work on the podcast just because my mind is so overwhelmed by that, that I've gone into like this never-ending numb state and, and turned to really bad habits, which is really sad. Um, And I don't have an answer. The same way Miles doesn't have an answer. We don't, we don't know what happens. You know, we're hopeful for good things, but who knows? What if we get beyond the Spider-Verse and Miles is gone or his dad is or whatever, right? And What if we get the sad ending? And it, and it doesn't help that the film addresses the questions we ask ourselves. What would happen if I didn't make this choice or this didn't happen or, 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 right? What would have happened if Miles didn't get bit? Does he become the Prowler? Well, in Universe 42, he does. How many times do we do that to ourselves? And so like, I'm just feeling the weight of this in my own life, and then I have this film that like, you experience those emotions as good cinema does for you, and then those two combine, and it's just been like an existential...
2: It's been so hard. And one
1: of the reasons this episode isn't quite what I wish it could be, and one of the reasons that's so hard is because I will publish this, and I will keep it published, and forever, it's a reminder of this. It's a reminder that this movie that means so much to me, I wasn't able to create something about the way that I wanted to because of my own mistakes and, and weaknesses and circumstances. And it's difficult to live with that. But I've been telling my friends who make comments about creating things and I comment on their photos and, and B-reels and things. Published is greater than perfect. And I am trying to live that mantra I've been saying for the first time in two weeks. And it's so hard because this isn't perfect. And I, don't, I don't know if published is better, but I feel like I'm like miles if I can even dare compare myself. I don't know what my plan is. I kind of know, but I know what I value.
2: And I know that I'm not going to do certain things. Even if I'm
1: told that's the way it has to go. And, uh, I feel like I got a lot pushing against me, nothing quite as intense as Miguel O'Hara and the entire Spider Society. But I feel like I'm running away from a lot in in a good way, not like running from your problems, but running away from opposing forces. Uh, It's tough. And I don't know what my plan is. I don't know where I'm going to end up. And I don't know how I'm going to do it. I just know what I value and I know that I'm going to work towards that. And one of those things, is accepting that in creating, sometimes published is better than perfect. And that for my own health, I need to get this episode published because it's, it not being, it being in your mental to-do list, that's not good for me. Um, so what, so what's, the, like, what's the takeaway for this existential crisis we find ourselves in and whatever level of spectrum we find ourselves on? Uh, this is the one thing I wrote down
2: Oh, wow. I'm sorry for crying, but this is why I wrote down. Find yourself some friends who are willing to start a rebel force for you. And love yourself and believe in yourself, just like Miles' amazing mom tells him, too. Oh, man. Uh, This is entirely unedited.
1: I'm making one cut to uh, where I had to pause. That's, there's only, uh, it was like a five minute pause. So, yeah, that, that, I'd say that, that, like, these are, these are very real motions and, and I'm okay to publish those. But I have to say to my friends, to my, my rebel force, if you're listening,
2: oh, thank you so much, man. Rob, to the two of you. You guys have no idea. Thanks for inviting me to talk about Indiana Jones with you. Obviously, obviously to my wife. Thanks for calling me when you're at work and asking if I'm having a good day. Even when I'm not. And when I'm rude, because I'm not.
1: I'm really sorry, and I appreciate the ways that you're going.
2: You're rebelling against the pressures for me. You're fighting for me. In the ways i can't for myself <laughs> and thank you to everybody who listens
1: to this episode or to the others even if you are never hearing this thank you for listening to the basement binge that I, every creator says that to some extent but it, it really means something to have your creations enjoyed consumed by people if you enjoy it enough to leave a review on Podchaser, that's even better. Don't feel a need to. It's always enough to know that somebody, at least one person besides myself, is downloading and listening to this episode. I don't know what to say more than that. Because I'm figuring it out. And I, and I just like Miles, there's not much of an answer besides just keep going. If it matters to you, keep going. So I'll keep going. Uh, and I'll publish because that's greater than perfect. So thanks for listening to this imperfect episode. If you enjoyed it, a review would mean a lot to me. You can send me an email. You can interact with me on social media. You can subscribe to Matt Goes to the Movies where you're viewing the Anana Jones movies. And also make sure you're subscribed to The Basin Binge for more imperfect but published episodes coming soon. If you haven't heard enough, this is The Basin Binge. That's all for now. Ciao, ciao.